This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got plenty to get to today. I'll be joined in a little bit by Chris Hine, covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune, has a great story that will be uh, on startribune.com Friday and in Sunday's newspaper about Mark Laurie, new owner of the Timberwolves. Um, Just Loved it on a, a bunch of different fronts. I got a sneak peek at it to uh, to be able to talk to Chris about it, but uh, you know, just a lot of good details about who Mark Laurie is, what his background is, and some insights into what kind of team owner he might be. So I hope you enjoy both that story and that conversation. Got some thoughts here on the Twins a little bit, um, some NFL COVID policies that are shifting. And a Vikings legend who deserves to be verified on Twitter way more than I do. But first, what did I miss? Look, interesting piece on StarTribune.com. Mark Coyle, Gophers Athletic Director, uh, did a Q&A with several of our staff members here at the Star Tribune. And Coyle, you know, doesn't isn't necessarily all that front-facing as, as an official. He doesn't talk a ton. So when he does, you kind of have to... Uh, you kind of have to pay attention and kind of dissect what he says and kind of get a lay of the land. So I want to do that. I, I picked out three things that were in that Q&A, which you can find on StarTribune.com, that I thought were particularly interesting and kind of speak to where we are right now. Number one from Coyle in the piece um, said that they've doubled their student season ticket sales for football, which had been a, a real kind of lagging thing in, in, in recent years. They're up to uh, 6,592 student season tickets for football. It says they're going to sell out the Ohio State game, that opener less than a week away now, next Thursday at Huntington Bank Stadium. But getting more students in the stands has been a priority for them. Obviously, you know, getting everybody in the stands has been a priority, and that has that has lagged as well. But you know, getting that atmosphere back at TCF Bank Stadium, I'm sorry, Huntington Bank Stadium, it's going to take me a while. It's going to be natural to say, you know, that the old brand, not the new brand, but getting people back at the bank, let's just say the bank, will be a priority for them. That goes hand in hand with a couple other things, though. Number one, um, I guess number two on the whole list, number one of those other related things, um, their COVID policy is evolving, it sounds like. It's in flux. Um, no mandate for masks or vaccinations. They're asking people to wear masks inside, um, and but they're not requiring proof of vaccination or negative test right now. And Huntington Bank Stadium is a, is an outdoor facility primarily. Don't really have to go inside unless you're going to be like in a club space, things like that. But uh, now he he did say this this interview was done earlier this week. He said that's today, August 25th. That could change in 48 hours. But right now. We're going to strongly encourage our fans to wear a mask, but no requirement, which is interesting. Um, We'll see what people think about that when they start attending the games. And number three, revenue. You know, season ticket sales go hand-in-hand with money, and he gave an update on last year. There was the, you know, the early report that they could lose as much as $75 million last season, you know, with no attendance and other things jeopardized last season. That number turned out to be $21.5 million, which is still a lot of money. Still, you miss that a lot. Um, he said he thought it might be more like $35 to $45 million as they got things going, but that it, it, it ended up being a lot less than that for various reasons, including you know getting football you could at least played and getting 
some of their uh, you know some of their TV and media revenue. So, you know, relatively good news, I, I guess. Um, you know, so if you're talking about the overall health of the program, but again, everything's still kind of tenuous this season. If they're planning for more of a normal revenue year, they're gonna have to watch the variant right now. Watch Delta, see how that is going to impact, if at all, attendance and other revenue streams that they have, because they really. You know, when you're coming off one year where you've lost over $20 million, even if you thought you could lose a lot more, uh, it's important, I imagine, for them to get back into something more of a normal budget cycle. And speaking quickly of shifting COVID policies, the NFL is thinking about testing its vaccinated players more often now as COVID uh, variant surges. They've been doing it every two weeks. They're talking about doing it every one week now. Uh, they've got some data, too. This is a good ESPN.com story. Between August 1st and August 21st, the league had 68 positive tests among all its players and staff from 7,190 tests. Approximately seven times as many unvaccinated players tested positive as vaccinated players. Well, there you go. I guess vaccines work. Who knew? Um, go do your research. Um, there's a cluster of players said... Uh, uh, their do- league doctor Alan Sills said um, in the story, 30, 38% of one team's unvaccinated players were infected with COVID during a uh, what they call a cluster of cases. So, you know, it, this is not going away, but it also goes to show that, you know, teams are going to have to start wearing masks, I think, even, you know, even vaccinated players as the consequence largely be- of these unvaccinated players. And it's kind of the same as is playing out in the world right now, the unvaccinated causing basically the loss of the freedom, which they like to talk about, the loss of the freedom that everybody should have. So we'll see where this goes in the NFL. I don't imagine anybody's going to have any kind of forfeited games. Enough players are vaccinated. It said 93% of players have at least been partially vaccinated so far, which is a really good number. It dwarfs the national number. So we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be so hard on these guys, they are they are by and large the models. If the if the nationwide number was ninety three percent, we would be in a great position overall. But we'll see where this goes as the year plays out. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, senior assistant sports editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps. Go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery. Might need to, might need to get you a 10-timers jacket by now. You've probably <laughs> been on it at least that many times, haven't you? I think so. Um, I should get two jackets when I see you at the fair in a few days. <laughs> I'm going to get jacket. The jacket handoff is going to happen next week when we do a, uh, a show out at the fair. Um, but for now, I want to talk to you, Chris. You cover the Timberwolves. Obviously, you met with... Mark Laurie, owner of the Timberwolves, new owner, part of the new ownership group anyway, um, out in Vegas. Big story coming in Sunday's paper. I believe that will be on StarTribune.com Friday, so everybody should go look for that um, relatively soon. But I read it already. I have a sneak preview. I have some. I, I know people who can he has, he has some connections. Yeah, <laughs> um, I found it very interesting. I want. Let's start with maybe you can start with the backstory. Kind of how did this? How did the story come together? You know, what was the what was meeting Mark Laurie like? What did you what were the impressions of him as you were working on this story? 
Yeah. So, you know, I've been obviously wanting to get some sort of interview or, or comments from, from the new owners basically ever since the day um, that, that it came out that they were taking over the franchise. So, you know, for, for months, they didn't want to say anything on the record, um, you know, because the, the deal wasn't official yet. So they didn't want to say anything until things were official. And in July, uh, the, the sale finally became official. So they started doing some interviews uh, since that point. So, uh, you know, Summer League was kind of a good time. He, I, I knew he was going to be there. Um, I had been in communication with his, with his uh, main PR person. Her name is Jen. Um, and we were just kind of arranging this. And we ended up having lunch together, I believe it was the Friday of the, of the first week of Summer League out there. We had lunch at this place called the Sugar Cane inside the Venetian Hotel. Um, and not, 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 nothing fancy, just a kind of a, I, a typical lunch spot, I guess you could say, a restaurant inside inside a, a hotel on the Strip. Um, and we chatted for about an hour, hour, 15 minutes or so. And the result is what you see on online uh, and in the paper this weekend. So, you know, some of I'm not going to spoil the story mm-hmm. necessarily because I want people to go read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of the stuff that's more germane to a Wolves fan, you know, beyond just being interested in who this guy is, which I think is worthwhile, obviously, in the story. So some of it is, you know, how we think he what kind of owner is he going to be? And, you know, you probably it's going to take a while to figure that out. But like, is there are there core values or are there things about him that you can see, you know, him him wanting to implement pretty quickly, you know, as he gains more of a controlling interest in the team, especially? I think the, the one of the biggest things I, I, I came away from uh, that interview thinking is he is going to try and take whatever notions that are out there about the Timberwolves that what they're, you know, big free agents don't come here. You know, they don't want to come here because it's cold and, you know, things like that. And he's and he's basically kind of rejecting these as, as excuses um, for, for why, you know, maybe there hasn't been a lot of success for this franchise and trying to turn these things on their head and try to use them as an advantage going forward. That's one of the, the, the big things I came away from now, whether he's going to be successful in doing that, I don't know. He's, you know, he's come, he's somebody who is coming from the outside. He's, he's not from Minnesota. He's trying to learn as much as he can about the culture of Minnesota, the culture of the Timberwolves and links. Um, and you know, the culture of the NBA at large. And so he's, he's, he's undergoing this process. He's trying to talk to everybody in the organization. One of his uh, associates, uh, a woman named Jessica Agarwal is, is trying to glean this information. And through that process, they're going to try and come up with, you know, these three core values, uh, that he has implemented at all of his other companies that all of his other companies operate on. And so the story kind of a small, small part of the story talks about what that process is like. That was interesting. You, you had, you talked to Jerry Rice for this story because he has a, a connection mm-hmm. to Lori. You, obviously you talked to Alex Rodriguez for the story because that is the other kind of half of this ownership group. Um, I'll talk about the A-Rod connection for a minute. Just how do you think those two, you know, well, I'm sure we'll know more as they get into this a little bit, but you know, the relationship between those, between those two doesn't seem necessarily obvious to me, just, you know, two guys with money, I guess, but you know, one, <laughs> one's, a, one's a front facing right. a little bit more, but how do you think the dynamic there works? It'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be, you know, Mark has obviously 
no real track record in terms of sports ownership or anything like that. And it's always interesting to see how how corporate ownership and corporate success in the business world translates to the sports world because the goal isn't always the same. I mean, the goal of a you know a sports franchise is to make money, of course, but it's not the only goal of a sports franchise. You've got to right. be you want to produce wins and financial success and wins don't always uh, align. So A-Rod has said that, you know, his experience in sports will, will help provide some of the missing kind of the, the missing puzzle pieces in terms of like what Mark wants to do. Uh, I think the quote that I have in the story is that A-Rod said, we're going to be like one plus one equals three when it comes to like my sports background, his business background and trying to get everything elevated to the next level. So that's, that's kind of what they've said. Um, you know, again, whether, whether this is going to work or not very much to be uh, seen. I thought it was interesting in the story. I like the one plus one equals three quote. That one stood out to me. The other one was Lori kind of talking about, you know, his business ventures and, you know, the, the notion of competition and he, he doesn't, he's, he tries to paint himself as someone who's not necessarily competitive or who just wants to win. He just wants to, succeed essentially. And I think there's a difference in that. How do you think, did that strike you about him? Cause sometimes you get these guys that are billionaires and they're just, they're, they want to crush everybody like in their path. <laughs> is that, is that not him? Um, well, he, at least he said, it's not him Okay. In our, in our interview. That's how he came across. Right. And that's, that's what, that's the quote I have in the article. Um, and I, I do think when you meet him, he is, he is a, I try to get this to, to come across in the piece. He is a very upbeat, seemingly very upbeat, positive person, very enthusiastic, very curious, very engaging. Um, you know, so I think that that, that definitely comes across if you spend a, a little bit of time with him. So I, 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 you can't believe it when he says that I look, I'm just trying to be the best person I can be. I'm just trying to be the best or have the best company I have. I'm not necessarily out to get, you know, Amazon or, or whoever, right. I don't have a, you know, a vendetta against anybody in particular. Sometimes being the best you can be in a particular field means you have to beat somebody, but it's, you know, it's not personal. It's not, you know, it's just in trying to strive to be the best version of yourself or of your company that you can be. You're not trying to specifically just go after someone else and beat someone else. Sounds like he's made it. It sounds like he's made a pretty good first impression on players from the interactions they had playing blackjack with Josh Kogi. That was in the story. That was kind of fun. Yep. Um, yep. What, what, what's your sense of, of, of that? It's certainly going to be a different ownership group at the very least. And, and, you know, Glenn Taylor, who also owns the star tribune, the obvious caveat, we always say just a different ownership group with Lori and a rod eventually than than it will be with Glenn Taylor. Right. It's, it's, it's probably going to be a, a, just a different energy, you know, first of all, you have two of them. You don't have just one of them. Um, we'll see how, how much they're in the community. They're in Minnesota. Um, you know, cause both of them obviously don't live here. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, in terms of looking for places where that, where that may land right now with them. But, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, Lori said in the interview was, Hey, Minnesota is a two hour commute for me from, from New York. You know, uh, we should all be so lucky to have planes at our disposal yeah. to, you know, to fly halfway across the country. <laughs> but but Minnesota is a two-hour commute, and and I think you know one of the things that's interesting for people that are worried that you know the team might move to Seattle or Las Vegas is 
you know, that's a, and he says it in the, in the quote, it'd be a lot tougher on my commute. If I, you know, if, if it was any more West than Minnesota, uh, was basically what he said. So, you know, just from a practical standpoint, he's throwing that out there about, Hey, you know, Minnesota's within shouting distance of, of a reasonable time for me to get there by plane. It's not five or six hours by plane. I read that. I thought that was interesting. I'll got to admit it wasn't like the ironclad. Oh, we're not going to move a team that, <laughs> that it, it could have been, but again, there is no, there isn't that ironclad, that. right? But you you're know, not going to get I, that. I think what you, what you see in the piece is, and I think what he wanted to try to get across in our interview was that he is very much committed uh, to, to investing in this team, in this market. And I, I think that that's what he was trying to get across here. And I think that, a, a, a couple sections of the story, I think that that comes through. Any other impressions of him before we pivot a little bit to some Patrick Beverly talk? Since I haven't talked to you about that, and that became official earlier this week. Um, like like I said, I, I think he I think he's just uh, at least from our initial impressions, he comes across as very enthusiastic, very curious, very uh, very upbeat and positive. Um, you know, he's got those, as you'll see in the initial lead of the story, he's got a, a little magician side to yeah. him that came out uh, in a couple instances. Illusions. Illusions. <laughs> Not a trick, Michael. It's an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, that, that, you know, you don't get, I didn't get to spend a ton of time with him, just, you know, an hour or two. Um, but I think that that's what, that's what comes across is, is you know he he does seem as for at least as a billionaire can be as much as a billionaire can be like a, a kind of relatable down to earth um didn't travel in a large pack or anything like that doesn't have like a hundred assistants you know around him or, or anything like that just kind of walking through vegas with a, with a couple people and you know you wouldn't know you know, if you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't have any idea that he was, you know, a, a very successful entrepreneur. Interesting. Well, go read that story. I, I really enjoyed it. Good work on that. That's, you know, you do a lot of things well, Chris, but the, the deeper profiles are certainly right up there with, uh, with your biggest strength. So please go read that, everybody. Um, like, I, like I said, I want to pivot to the Patrick Beverly uh, trade mm-hmm. because that did become official. Not that it wasn't going to become official, but um, Beverly acquired for Jarrett Culver and Wancho Aaron Gomez. Um, I think that went down. Well, it was a week or two ago, at least. It wasn't. It was. You know, it wasn't. It was, it was, it was ten days ago. Yeah. yeah, a little bit in the yeah. rear view at this point, but. What are your thoughts on on this move? Kind of how he fits into the roster, and maybe we can talk about kind of is this it for the off season after that? Yeah, uh, well, I don't think it's it. I think there's there's still some dangling contracts out there in terms of Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin, um, and I, you know, they're until Ben Simmons gets dealt, they're going to be always checking in on that situation, but. Um, I, I tend to think this is a, 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 it makes, it's a move that makes a lot of sense to me for them. Um, Wancho was unhappy, um, you know, after the whole incident with, uh, the Olympics and the, the Wolves not allowing him to play for Spain, uh, Jerry Culver, we saw two seasons of, it just really wasn't going to work out for him here. You know, not a, not a great fit. We'll see if he can, you know, salvage his career in, in Memphis, but, the first two years were were pretty rough here in Minnesota, and you never you never 
want to say that you made a mistake in a draft choice, but I think, you know, they, they at least admitted that this was, this was not working out and they've moved on from it. Uh, and I think Patrick Beverly from the roster's construction standpoint and what this team needs uh, makes a lot of sense. They need somebody, uh, they need a veteran who can come in here, add a little defensive tenacity and, and leadership. Um, and that's what he's going to bring. Uh, that was, a, I think that was a glaring hole on this roster and he helps address that. Um, you know, we'll see how, how he feel. I, I'm very interested to see how he feels in terms of trying to get a young roster to play the kind of defense needed to succeed on a night in night out basis in the NBA. Is he going to get frustrated with it? Is he going to be patient with it? You know, how, how is that, how is that mix going to work? Cause um, this roster I'm not sure how much it enjoys playing defense and we're going to see how that, how that, uh, <laughs> how that interest level increases this year or doesn't. Well, there's certainly no precedent for a veteran guard getting frustrated with the amount of defense that gets played here. Is there, I can't think of a single one. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've wiped some, some periods of time from my memory. So I'm not, I'm not certain. I don't, maybe, maybe I'll wake up in the middle of the night and think of a situation. Well, if he start if he grabs the third teamers and starts challenging everybody, we'll know that uh, we're in for a wild ride. But I, I like the fit too. I think you know he's he's not Jimmy Butler. Obviously, this is not that level of move. But he's a he's a guy that in the right role. Um, and I think you know Rosas, Gerson Rosas has talked about you know players who you know have you know who don't need a ton of usage but have a lot of utility to them. Who you know who know their role, who do the things that they need to do. They make this game. You know, Patrick Beverly makes three pointers. He plays defense and probably gives them a certain edge that maybe they lack at, at some moments. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if it like, uh, just in terms of like moving the needle though, it, it doesn't feel like. I don't think it moves the needle that much. No, I think if you're, but I think if you're looking for, you know, a, a signs of development on the defensive end of the floor, bringing in somebody like Patrick Beverly to, to maybe show some of these guys like an Anthony Edwards, the rope yeah. that end of the floor or, just to try and get these guys to play better team defense. I think it it does make, it does make a decent amount of sense. You, you said it, not me, uh, Ben Simmons. What do you, what do you think? Is this still just a bunch of smoke? Is the longer it goes, is that good or bad? If if you're a, I think, I think the longer, the longer it goes, I think the better it is for the wolves. You know, this, that's not based on any insight that I have. That's just me conjecturing. Um, I think the longer it goes, the better it is for the Wolves because it means, you know, nobody's really stepping up to meet whatever Philly's demands are for a trade. So I think that, you know, the closer that their demands have to come back down to reality, um, the better it is for the Wolves and the more likely it is that they that they jump in. We know that they want to be aggressive with it. And, you know, I think at this point it's it's looking like he's probably not going to be dealt until, you know, the season begins. And we, we get that we always get the fun situations where, you know, a, a disgruntled player enters training camp and, and starts the season on a team and everybody knows he's going to be traded. I, again, I can't think of, I was going to say again, this uh, sounds very familiar. I can't think of a recent example of no. that. Um, but, you know, but if you take a look at these situations where, where people tend to go into the season uh, disgruntled and on certain teams, the, the, return for the trade tends to be maybe lower than you might've thought because, you know, the teams are painted in a corner. Uh, the, the, the dealing team is kind of painted in a corner and the rest of the league knows that. So I, I think the longer it goes on, the, I think the better it generally 
is for the Wolves, um, especially considering early reports were they weren't really among the serious contenders for him. But now, you know, now we'll see as the weeks as the weeks go on here. You mentioned Jared Vanderbilt. Um, that seems like a, a not a, a not a slam dunk, but a, a good possibility that he comes back. Um, be be curious if Jordan McLaughlin is back too, or if they like someone from summer league or anything like that as like a third point guard since Beverly kind of fills, you know, fills the backup role more more or less. Anything else on the on the fringes of the roster? Are we are they done at power forward? Is this is this kind of it? Do you think? <laughs> Um, aside, yeah. from Van, aside from Vanderbilt, of course, aside from Vanderbilt. Yeah. I, I, I think so at this point, I mean, what, you know, when they're not going to be really signing anybody big, it's just going to be trades from here on out. And, you know, now that the Beverly and, and Prince trades are official, you know, I'm not certain on the exact dates that they could be mixed in in trades, but it, it's not probably not for a little while. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're done, um, in that regard. So, Yeah. I, but you know, I think the the big thing is they're they're they. You look at it, and they didn't they didn't really sign any bad contracts. I guess you could you could point to that. Um, and they are making a huge bet on internal improvement. We'll see whether that bet pays off or or not. Speaking of bets, last thing: a lot of the Vegas over under totals are like thirty three and a half wins. I've seen thirty four and a half at one place. Um, a lot of Wolves fans are like, "Oh, that's too low, Yo, easy money." Y'all um, loved it. Y'all, I've I've seen this this discussion on Timberwolves Twitter for for weeks at this point. Like, yeah. you guys, you guys need something else to talk about. Oh, was, I've been told the Beverly trade. There wasn't really <laughs> anything else to talk about. But do you does that num does that number feel about right to you? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see why not. I mean, this team has not proven it's a five hundred team on yeah. a consistent basis yet, and. And, you know, God forbid, uh, you know, D'Lo or Cat gets hurt. Watch out what, you know, what might happen if, if exactly. it happens, right? So, so yeah, I think that feels right. 34, 33, 34 wins. Like, this is not – this team has not proven that they're capable of playing 500 basketball yet. So, Exactly. Yeah. My point on Twitter, Wolves fans, was um, go ahead and have optimism. Just don't bet on it because 14 out of Correct. the last – 14 out of the last 17 years, they've been <laughs> under. Don't forget that. Um, Chris Hine, great story on Mark Laurie. Find that Friday on starttobean.com and in Sunday's newspaper. And we will see you at the fair next week. Thank you, Michael. Good stuff from Chris Hine. As usual, please do go read that story on Mark Laurie. Should be on our website uh, sometime Friday morning. And uh, we'll be up for quite a while. And then you can get it in the print edition on Sunday as well. Chris teased me a little bit about those over-unders. It's one of my pet projects that was I found out I found it's a way to get into the twins a little bit too because that 33.5 34.5 wolves number that is not a high bar to clear we've been talking about how bad the twins are all season right now 55 and 72 after getting clobbered by the Red Sox once more Thursday I think the final is 12 to 2 and by the way um this is Chris Sale had an immaculate inning nine nine pitches nine strikes three strikeouts um, I'd never heard that term. I'm a huge baseball fan for 35, 40 years. I'd never heard the term immaculate inning, and that just got thrown around like it was just everybody knew what that word was. Everybody knew what that term was yesterday. I'm like, what is that? Immaculate inning apparently is where you have nine up, nine down, nine strikes, and uh, three strikeouts, and there you go. So back to the original point, though. Twins 55 and 72 right now. That is a winning percentage of 433. 
The Wolves played 433 basketball this year. They'd win 35 and a half games. They'd go over. So the worst season that we could imagine for the Twins would still be the over for the Wolves, showing you what a low bar it is, and they still might not get there if history is any indication. Let's end with the cooler. Alan Page, Vikings great, former Minnesota Supreme Court Justice, won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2018, Pro Football Hall of Famer. I would say that makes him pretty notable. Twitter, on the other hand, disagrees. Apparently, Alan Page was trying to get his page uh, on Twitter uh, verified, ACPage underscore 77. Um, got this message from Twitter. This account will not be verified at this time because the evidence provided did not meet our criteria for notability. As a result, we could not reliably verify that the account associated with the request is a notable person, organization, or brand. And Alan Page screenshotted that message and, and wrote, not notable, hmm, hashtag not notable at Twitter. Of course he's notable um, I just rattled off the long list of things he's done, you know, Supreme Court, <laughs> Medal of Freedom, Pro Football Hall of Famer, like, I'm verified, a lot of people in the media are verified, but all I do is write about sports and eat tacos and, and talk about jumpsuits, I mean, this is pretty silly, and, you know, being verified isn't the greatest thing in the world, it's fine, but it's, it's kind of nice to help protect your account, protect things like that, you get certain things that are better, so... I hope he wins this battle, and I will gladly give my check mark to him if he would like. That will do it for today. Should be great stuff coming up next week. I think we're going to have a couple bonus shows, too, from the State Fair, hoping that all comes together. So could be a very busy week on Daily Delivery next week. Look forward to it. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you again on Monday. 